The title for Dr. Hunter's sermon is Finding Our Right Use, Life, Starting with God Instead of Ourselves. Dr. Hunter has chosen scripture from both the Old and New Testament. The first part of scripture is taken from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. And seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. The second part of Scripture for Dr. Hunter's message is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and from chapter 4, verse 7. But we all, with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. And now, here's Dr. Hunter. That's my buddy. Chris was on staff with me at my last church. She was the minister to singles there. And uh, we've been uh, friends for a good long time. Be friends for a good long time more. And uh, somewhere along the line, she picked herself up a piney player. Married that sucker. Did the right thing. Did the right thing. And they're up with us for the weekend, and I asked her if she'd sing, and I'm so glad she did. And if I talk short enough, you get another chance to hear her. By the way, um, the... uh, the uh, we're so full of, of chairs this morning that if during the during the uh, the exit time, if you would just you up here would stand around and just uh, talk for just one minute while the ushers gather away those chairs, then uh, the the uh, the route out would be cleared. Now let me tell you where we are. All right, here it is. We're starting on our fourth series of the year of finding out our purpose. Ten-year plan towards spiritual maturity. That's what it says on the front of your bulletin. Bringing believers, bringing people to maturity in Christ. This year, we are to take note of the purpose for which we were made. But that takes a certain foundation. We cannot run headlong into finding purpose because 
always be careful of this. Anybody with quick answers don't have answers that last very long. And so therefore we must lay a proper foundation. No other foundation can be laid but that which is Jesus Christ. And so we said the first one was in the Garden of Eden. God made us for a purpose, gave us purpose at that time. And he gave it to us in five arenas. Remember? Life, limits, labor, love, and learning. All right? Then we got cast adrift from Eden because of our sin. Sin completely turned everything around. And not only were we so crippled in our relationship with God, so cut off, but even in our understanding, we couldn't possibly come to terms with the truth about our life because our understanding was affected also. But then in Jesus Christ, the third of those series, all of that is reestablished and it's put right. Now, the reason I tell you this is because no one can find their, their purpose in life without coming to Christ. It is not possible. You're still floating out here. So don't try to make it an intellectual exercise. It's a relational exercise. All right? If you try to make it an intellectual exercise, you're going to be like the people uh, noted in uh, 2 Timothy 3.7 where it says they are ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And that's what it's like out here. Until you have Jesus Christ in your life, you will never know why you were made. Because you were not made to produce your own purpose. You were made to live in the purpose of God. Now, that's why I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about the frustration of living outside the promised land. We're not needing anymore. You noticed that, haven't you? I knew you had. We're not in needing anymore. And what is it like to live in exile? The Bible has uh, a theme of what it's like to live in exile, of God drawing us back to the promised land. And this is one of the scriptures that goes along with that theme. What is it like meeting a Jesus who meets you where you are? What's it like to live in emptiness and then to find that Christ does fulfill your need? There are two temptations living in exile. One is to put your life on hold until you get back to the promised land. And the other is just to keep on trucking. And believe that God, as your trucking, is going to come alongside and make meaning and purpose in your life, even though you're not living in the promised land. Let me read this scripture to you one more time. Thus says the Lord, this is Jeremiah 29, Thus says the Lord God of hosts, God of Israel, to all exiles whom, listen to this, I have sent into exile. You think you're in this world by accident? You think that you are separate from God without His knowing? Not on your life. He knows exactly where you are. You're not hiding from him. Adam and Eve tried that. Behind those bushes looked so silly. You can't hide from him. No matter how steeped in sin you are, he knows where you are. And he knows you're living, not living in... Okay, now listen to me. It says, from Jerusalem to Babylon. They're living in Babylon. Now look at the orders he gives people who are living in Babylon. Babylon, by the way, is the symbol of all false religion. It's the symbol of all separation from God. Look at the orders he gives to them. Doesn't tell them to put their lives on hold. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat of their produce. Take wives and become fathers and sons and so on and so forth. And then in verse 7 it says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare 
you will also have welfare, shalom, wholeness. Now watch. What does God say to people who are living in, in an alien land? You know? I, say, I know people say, oh, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Don't expect me to vote for this old dumb old country, man. I'm, I, I live in I'm, I'm part of heaven. I'm not going to do anything down here. I'm just holding hold my own until I can get back home. God says, no. Build, plant, pray. Vote, improve, contribute. He knows this is Babylon. He says, don't wait in order to make your life productive. I have a plan for you even while you're there. He says, don't listen to the false prophets. What did the false prophets say? He, said, I, he says, I haven't sent those guys. What were they saying? You get an idea in verse 10 where it says, For thus says the Lord, When seventy years have, comple- have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. Now, in Scripture... Seventy is a uh, symbolic number of when the time is ripe. When you have fully served your time down there. When, you, when I have completed what I need to complete in you, for you to come back to me like I want you to, then I'm going to come. But don't listen to the false prophets who are saying, guess what? Oh, I had a dream. We're, the Lord's going to rescue us. Oh, I had a dream. We're about, you know, he's coming tomorrow. You know, just hang in there. Don't worry about He's coming. Put your life on hold. Now, God says, look, it's going to take the whole time. So don't get your hopes up for shortcuts. Don't get your hopes up for easy roads out. Don't get your hopes up for quick fixes. Those aren't the prophets I've sent to you. You stay in that mess, and you learn how to live in a mess and clean a little bit up as you live. That's what I want you to do. But, he says, keep praying to me. When you pray to me with your whole heart, I'll be found by you. Now, what does all this mean? It means, first of all, that if we are to generally live our lives in this world, we've got to realize two things. We've got to realize, number one, that even though we are not in the right location, nearness to God is not a matter of location, it's a matter of orientation. It's a matter of which way is your mind pointed. Is it pointed toward the world? Is it pointed toward yourself? Or is it pointed toward God who has made you and has a plan for your life? As long as it's pointed toward God, it doesn't matter where you are. See? It's not location, it's orientation. Please don't think that God has left you here alone. Jesus meets you where you are. In these five avenues of purpose, these five arenas of human experience, let's take that mentality and examine the first five words of the Bible. I bet you can recall them from memory. In the beginning, God created. You know what the Hebrew word for created means? Barach. It means not only did he make or invent or start, But that word also means to feed. It means that God didn't just wind something up and leave it alone and walk away and say, hmm, wonder how it's going to turn out. It means that He sustains us daily. That creation 
is not, I like the words of, of R.C. Sproul when he talked in his uh, tape series on Providence. He says, creation is not staccato. Remember when you used to uh, practice for uh, uh, choir and the choir say, okay, let's practice now. <laughs> See, that's staccato. And most people live life as if God were a staccato God. He keeps kind of, every once in a while, he'll show up, kind of surprise you, kind of wink at you. Ooh, there he is. But, but in between times, he's not there. Now, R.C. Sproul says, no, creation is a sustained event. And that's what we've got to realize. That God didn't put us here, step back and say, ooh, you're a stranger in a strange land now. See ya. See you when you get back. No, God is with us here and wants us to contribute, and listen to this, wants us to contribute according to how He made us and what He made us for. See, when we feel that God is separated, we feel this tremendous pressure to cook up a plan of our own. I've got to figure out what my life is about. I've got to figure out what will give purpose to my life, and I've got to live it, or I'll never get anywhere. Well, you know what? If you're a Christian, you don't have to do that. The pressure is not all on you. As a matter of fact, if you put it on yourself, even in good ways of trying to figure out what your spiritual gifts are so that you can, you can minister the most effectively, I know that's a good thing, see? But even when you're doing that, the pressure isn't always on you because God continues to create in and through your life even when you're not aware of it. That's what that word means creates. God continues to create through you. So even when you... How many of you have ever had somebody come up and say, you know, when you said that, it changed... It changed my life. You didn't even remember saying it. What was happening? God was using you. He was continuing to create through you. So it's not all on you. You don't have to come up with your own plan. It's like... yeah, It amazes me that Christians think that whether or not their lives have meaning in this world is up to them. It's, it's totally amazing to me. It'd be like, here's a fantasy for you guys. <laughs> you guys. It'd be like going to watch the Super Bowl. Now, it's a privilege even getting into the Super Bowl, isn't it? I mean, into the stands. I mean, it's a great privilege. So here you are. See? Washington Redskins and whoever played last, who, who played the Skins last year? Buffalo. That's right. Skins and, skins and, and uh, Buffalo. And Buffalo what? Bills, thanks. <laughs> okay, help me out here. Here you are in the stands. Now, this, is, this is what ex-jocks, ooh, can I say that in church? Ex-athletes think about. This is what we think about. Here we are in the stands. Joe Gibbs down on the sideline. Joe Gibbs on fire Christian. I love this guy. Joe Gibbs down there. And the guy that used to play the position, or that plays the position you used to play, gets hurt. Then the second guy gets hurt. And then the third guy gets hurt. Now they haven't got anybody to play the position you used to play. So Gibbs turns around and stands. <laughs> he spots you. says, Hunter, come on down here. <laughs> I have this great fantasy life. And I'm shooting up, see? Go down. He says, okay, let me teach you. This is your old position. I know it is. This. Let me teach you the plays we run. I say, oh, no, Joe. I've got plays of my own. 
I'm my own person. I have to be genuine in this thing. And so I really just, out of my heart, want to contribute what I would do best. You think he'd let me in that? He wouldn't let me in that. Get out of here. Get back in the stand, see? You think God's going to come to you and say, make up your own plans? You know, I've got this whole team out here. I've got this strategy. But you, I want you to be genuine. Just bring it out of yourself and live however you want. Come on. God's got this plan. It is the height of arrogance to think that we have to come up with meaning on our own and purpose on our own. Not true. The God who sustains us is also the beginning of us. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. I started this deal. And let me teach you something about this. I started it in such a way that I was going to set up circumstances where I would get your attention the whole way through. See, in Scripture, there are primary and secondary causes. We feel like we're out here all alone and we, we've kind of got a fix on how things happen. When you're, when you're a stranger living in an alien land, living in exile, you kind of think, you try and figure out how things work. And you can figure them out on one level. You can figure them out on the secondary cause level. If you have an emotional hurt, you can say, well, you know, I've got, I've got body chemistry that's off. I, I grew up in a crazy family and so on and so forth. And that's correct. That's accurate information. But you know what? You're only given the secondary causes of your problem. The primary cause is that God sent you into exile. The primary cause is that God allowed that to happen. You, this isn't a big secret. This isn't a big surprise to God. God had a purpose. And the sooner we can say, okay, this is the situation I grew up in. God, what, what good can come out of this? What did you have planned for this? The sooner we can see life as it really is. When I was in school, there was a, there was a guy I knew who was a neat guy. Crazy nuts about this one little girl. Cute little girl. But she lived in her own world of vanity. I mean, she was the type that would go by a window and look into the window, not to see through it, but to see her reflection. And do this to her hair. And she was cute, all right, but this guy sat behind her, just drooling on it. <laughs> drooling on it, trying to figure out how he could get... Just took a, a feather sometimes, and sometimes a pencil, and just did this to her hair. You know, and she'd go like this. She thought it was a fly. She'd look around the room. He just wanted, he just wanted to meet her. Just wanted to get this relationship going with her. See? Neat guy. Well, by the time she figured out with him, it was him, she was so mad, she turned around just about ready to kill him. She didn't want anything to do with him. Her loss. But you know what? We do the same thing with the pain in our life. We do this, oh, I gotta fix this pain, see? And we don't realize it's God trying to get our attention. He wants a relationship with us. That's the reason for the irritation. But by the time we can't fix it, we're so irritated by it, we don't want to talk to God about this. You know? If you've got to use these means, God, I don't want anything to do with you. Well, the reason that it got to that irritating point is because we wouldn't know who was behind it in the first place. It's not his fault, it's ours. So every time you have something irritating in your life, look back to the original cause. Say, God, what's the deal here? What, you're trying to get my attention? Okay, you got it. What good are you going to bring out of this? And the last thing I want to tell you is this. 
When you look at life and you understand that God is forming a purpose in you, even beyond your understanding, that God continues to create and affect the world, if you just keep building and planting and praying where you are. So it's your only job just to do something constructive where you are. It's your only job. When you realize God's doing that in your life, think in these terms. That God has made you to fit in a specific role in this world. Now, don't put pressure on yourself. You may never find out what, the, what that role is exactly. But in order to um, operate to your maximum efficiency, you ought to search for it. Because we really are made. One of the, words, one of the meanings of teleos, which is the, the Greek word that we're going for here. That's the Greek word for maturity and complete um, and, and you know, so on and so forth. That's, that's our motto here. One of the words is you were made to fit into a certain function. You don't bring out the function or create the function, but you look for the function that God has for you. I'll tell you a story. When I was um, several years ago, Chris and I were at this uh, church together, and, and we had multiple Christmas Eve services. And so after the last Christmas Eve service ended at midnight, went home. This is Indiana. I mean, it's below several degrees below zero. And I go home, and, and Beck and I had... We had bought uh, our littlest one a tricycle. And we had the choice of put them putting it together at the store or me putting it together. Now, you're, getting on, you're catching on already, aren't you? you? Some of you know me and know if I come within five feet of a tool, somebody gets hurt. I mean, I just am the most unhandy. But I had this dad thing, you know? I, that yeah, I, I, Putting together a tricycle is something a dad does for his kid. So I said, no, I'll do this. I'll do it. Took this box home. Didn't have a tool in the house. I didn't know how, have any idea how I was going to do this. So I take this thing. It's 2, 2.30 in the morning, you know, Christmas morning. I'm looking like this. Get these instructions out. They're, I mean, it's awful. And it says, put screw A into nut B. So... I didn't have a screwdriver, so I went in and got a hunting knife. I figured that'd do. First thing, I, I'm just going, and this thumb just sliced, and here it comes. And I go, ah! and my wife, who many of you know to be, you know, quiet and demure most of the time, comes in and panics. She can't stand to see physical hurt. She can't stand it, and especially with people she knows personally. So she comes in, what'd you do? Nothing. You know, blood is going on. Nothing. We're going to get to the hospital. So we go out and climb in this clunker that doesn't run very well in the first place, trying to get this thing started. I'm sitting in the, in the you know, passenger seat, trying to be macho. My, I'm getting faint. Because <laughs> I'm a big baby when it comes to pain. Anyhow, how you doing? Fine. Go down this highway. We're barreling down toward this emergency thing. The car dies. Middle of the road, car dies. So here Becky, oh, prim, proper Becky, gets out. My husband's dying. Take us, take us to the hot. Pulls over this car of these people who had had a lot of Christmas cheer. 
We'll take you. Don't worry about a thing. You know where it is? Okay. Don't worry. I'm thinking, I'll take my chances with dying of blood loss, you know. It's too late. I'm in the car. We'll take you. No problem. Well, we do get there. And the doctor's sitting there, you know, stitching the thing up. How'd you do this? Putting together a tricycle with a hunting knife. You know what? Most Christians look about that silly, trying to use their life in the wrong way. Because they never figured out what it was for. They either hurt themselves or somebody else or just plain look silly. God's saying, look, made you for a purpose. Want you to figure it out by looking to me. Don't look at yourself. Look at me. Then at how I've made you. Pray to me. And I will be found by you. Come on up. I want you guys to sing us that closing song. While they come up, let me pray. And you guys hold it down in the back. God, thank you for making us for a purpose. We're just beginning in this thing. But we're going to stick with it. Because you have promised us that you would be found by us. And you would tell us what we needed to know if we would ask. You have promised to give us that wisdom. So, Lord God, we look in faith to you. We look because we want to maximize what you've given us. We know if we believe in Christ, we're going to heaven. We know that part. But we sure would like to be of use to you, maximum use to you, while we're down here. Meanwhile, while we can't figure it out, use us however you will. But the more you can let it dawn on us how we are to use our lives, the more we will sing appreciation to you for specifically making a plan for us. We pray this in Jesus' name.